Hey guys, Mubarak Shah CPA here, MA CPA with Maori and Schoenfeld, and working alongside Deal Maven, and here to talk to you guys today about what a search fund is. All right, we're gonna have a very packed episode, it's gonna be super insightful. I'm gonna go over a very in depth overview or I guess detailed description of what a search fund is, all the different types of it, a history. And this is probably going to be a few episodes because, you know, this has been a life-changing concept for me. I only discovered it a couple years ago, but it's opened my eyes up to a whole different life and wealth creation vehicle. And um, it's just incredibly impressive to me, like starting a search, tools for your search, um, running your search process. I'm going to go into financing going into investors, um, and really just getting into it all. So we're going to see, you know, I'll break it up so it's not so intimidating. But, you know, if, you're, if you've heard about a search, if you've been looking to buy your first business, if you want to acquire a company, if you want to grow through acquiring companies or media assets like traffic groups, um, you know, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, you know, leave me a review, and let's get into it. All right, so let's talk about what is a search. Or what is a search fund okay so it's not the google search it's search fund it allows basically an individual or a group to become a small business it's a small business operator right so it's almost like a journey where it's usually in the past it started kind of like say in like 1984 or so and i'm going to go into the history but i want to just give an overview but it started by you first kind of source or you search for a company for sale and then you end up acquiring it and basically taking it over and operating it for several years and then finally exiting it, right? Um, Or recapitalizing it to buy it investors and kind of have an exit. So that concept and that cycle, these individuals that participate in it are called searchers. And so sometimes essentially searchers either make it started by raising a fund and that's going to be the traditional search fund model. And I'm going to go into that. And that, these are typically MBA grads right out of school, but they have, um, you know, a couple years of professional experience, maybe five years working in finance, investment banking, private equity, um, hedge funds, uh, fortune 500s. But then there's also, you know, it's not just for that privileged group. For example, you can also, um, Sometimes people just work off of their savings and find a partner to provide them financing or they use the SBA um, and they'll typically raise equity capital for their acquisition. Either they're using their own funds, having finance arrangements. And so, you know, it's it's a very interesting concept that's been very um, brought to the mainstream recently through the concept of entrepreneurship through acquisition or ETA. All right. So that's starting to be taught more and more in kind of MBA programs and still getting a little bit of exposure. Um, I feel like it's still a well-hidden secret, but you know, there's a lot of interesting new studies coming out. 2023 is really the year where I think it's going to be hitting the forefront a little more, but it's still honestly a very small group of people. I think in history, there's been maybe 20,000 or less people involved, which obviously is is not a, a large amount. And so, you know, Recent numbers from, I guess I can kind of update it a little bit more, but there's Stanford studies that talk about how often that kind of prove out. And I think in an episode, I'll just break down those studies. There's a 2022 search fund study for traditional searchers and then a new 2023 one that's SIG, which is stands for Search Investment Group, which is a premier search fund, almost like an investor or accelerator into self-funded searchers. 
And uh, I'm going to break down what the differences there are. But, you know, a lot of times these searchers are not don't have crazy backgrounds. Right. Um, and, you know, two thirds of them succeed, but a, a third of them fail. So sometimes a third of these searchers don't acquire a company. Right. And there's a whole bunch of different factors that we're going to get into. But I want to really start off talking about the different styles of search and um, some people break it down in a few different ways. I'm going to talk about it as self-funded, you know, traditional accelerator and solo sponsored. And, and obviously I'm pulling, you know, the search fund community is pretty tight knit. Um, there's been aggregated resources, which I'm going to link in the description below. So if some of these conversations and topics are things you've been exposed to before, then it makes sense because I'm kind of just going off of the education and resources that I've also come across. And, um, you know, it's not here to kind of make you an expert. I'm going to link to other important um, resources in the group or in the kind of industry as a whole. But really, there's like searchfunder.com. That's a great resource. Um, I think there's like a Harvard guide to how to buy a business. I think um, from Rick and Royce, that's kind of like the main facilitator. And they were kind of one of the initial or original search funders or, you know, searchers. So, you know, there's a lot here, but I, um, in an, in a, in a future episode, I'm going to go into the kind of exact stats. I want to just talk about a brief history, right? So it, it started mainly, I would say in 1984, but I mean, the concept is entrepreneurship through acquisition, right? So the traditional search fund was developed in 1984 by, um, you know, professor, professor H Irving Grosbeck, right? So he was the one who was a Harvard business school lecturer and he ended up basically through search creating like a multi-billion dollar telecom business um, called uh, Continental Cable Vision. And I think now he's like a co-owner of the Boston Celtics or something. So pretty interesting and novel kind of history to search funds as a whole. But essentially, you know, that is where the background is. And so now over the last few decades, there's been more and more search occurring and there's a different, there's a def, bunch of different styles, right? So the traditional sense is you raise, say you graduate, and now you have, you raise about 400 to 500,000, right? And it's usually one person or it's two people, right? So it's an original, it's one or two people. So I guess I'll get into that kind of traditional search fund style, right? And so what happens is you raise this amount of money, maybe 400 to 600,000, and it's, to be able to find a business. And usually, typically, there's a time limit of about two years, all right? And so now you have to understand there's a large opportunity cost for these MBA grads that are going out to acquire a company. But, um, you know, they have, what happens is that they get the backing of a bunch of investors and there's some, you know, very prominent investors now in search funds that typically invest into lots of these different funds. Um, you know, Anacapa Partners, Pacific Lake Partners, Footbridge, a lot of these kind of OG names in the space at this point. But what happens is that this searcher, or it'll be a partner search, so it's typically just one or two people, they'll go out and raise checks anywhere from, you know, there's no specific range, but on average, it's like 20K to 50K, right, for maybe 10 investors or so, and you get this pool of money. And now you have two years to go and find a business, right? So, it's used to finance your, your living, you have a little bit of a salary, office costs, software, due diligence costs, everything, right? And so what happens is you go out and the reason the investors put this money up front is because they get a 50% premium, meaning 
whenever it gets time to find the deal, these investors will get an automatic 50% step up in their basis in the fund, meaning if they put in 50,000, it's automatically worth 75,000 of equity when they're going to buy the, when you finally buy find the business and they have the right of first refusal. So they're not required to invest in your business, but traditionally what happens is that you have created what's called a PPM, a private placement memorandum up front. And this is kind of like a 20, 30, 40 page document that's kind of outlines your history, talks about the search fund model and is the kind of basis for how you're able to raise funding money for your search, right? So sometimes you need to get an attorney involved, but honestly, like, again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm a CPA and I've seen these deals a lot, but my recommendation is just kind of look for a template online. Um, you're going to find that a lot of these PPMs, and I, I don't know, lawyers are probably going to hate hearing this, so maybe go with a lawyer, but if you're really short on money, it's not necessary. You can get a template. Um, most of these PPMs in the search world, they're like 95% the same. You know, there's a little bit of a difference in the bio and background and maybe the criteria of acquisition, but the rest of them, they have like 20, 30 pages of the same templated information about what a search fund is. And, you know, I guess let me kind of make a note. I think in a future episode, I'll just go over PPMs. But yeah, we're going to have an interesting series of content because I'm already almost 10 minutes in and we're just scratching 1% of the search fund world. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically they raise the money, right? And now they have two years to go out and acquire a business. And typically the way it's structured, you know, I'll get more into details about this later, but essentially the searcher will get about 20 to 30% of the equity for meeting all of the targets in the business. So they have, they don't necessarily have to put in a dollar of their own. You know, they put maybe very little for like tax purposes and basis and cost basis and tax elections and things of that nature. But ultimately they can buy or they can go out and buy a business worth a couple million or sometimes tens of million and they can actually own 10 to 20 to 30 percent of it. So typically what happens is that, for example, if you're solo, you can end up getting 25 percent. And if you're partnered, you can end up getting 30 percent. And it's slightly variable, but essentially what will happen is that you'll get, say you find a deal and there's a lot that goes in between then, but you'll get maybe if you're, you know, say a solo searcher and this kind of prorates accordingly to a partnered search, right? So solo searcher, they can get up to 25%, which comes out to typically eight and a third percent is right up front. Eight and a third percent is something that vests over time, maybe four years or so. And then eight and a third percent, which when you add those three up, total up to 25%, gets you to that 25%. And that is based off of usually like performance metrics, like revenue metrics, benchmarks, things of that nature. And for partner searchers are the same, but it's like 10, 10, 10, right? So, okay. Um, so despite having so many investors, right? Most searchers typically have like lead investors because remember I, I told you before, you're getting checks from maybe 10, 20 different people, right? Sometimes it's nice to be able to just get one or two, but the awesome thing is that, you know, you have a board of people that can help give you advice. So, you know, you have to kind of be understanding that you're not owning this business. This isn't like you have a board, you have people to respond to. But it is an awesome way to create wealth because you almost don't have to put a dollar in. And yes, you have to put in your time and there's an opportunity cost. But I don't think there's any other mechanism on the planet Earth at the moment where you can kind of structurally go out and raise money and buy a business in such a beautiful manner. And, and that's why I'm super interested in traditional search and 
um, you know, there's other models too. And that, that's what I want to go into as well, which is like traditional search maybe started in the 1984, right? But the self-funded search is more for people who want to have more freedom and kind of take more risk because they end up owning more equity, but they don't have the support of those investors, right? So they, well, the difference between a self-funded searcher and a traditional search is that you don't have that two years of runway. You don't have that initial half a million on average raised up front. You're kind of spending your own money or your investors' money to go out and, and, and you're finding the business and you kind of create, the, you get the investors together at the time of the deal. Um, so for people who are looking to be like owner operators and CEOs, you know, and really kind of own the business and have a majority equity, then this is the best route to go. And the only alternative is to pick investment partners who are open to allowing you to buy them out over time through like a future recapitalization and they might side with you on major decisions. But, you know, the traditional search people, because they only own 20, 25, 30% of equity, they still have to listen to a board, right? And so self, self-funded search is a different type of work and a different type of search um, because you're giving up, you know, you might be doing a part-time or it's a lot harder to do it because you don't have those initial levels of investors up front, right? So that's kind of the basis there. And then there's the accelerators or the solo sponsors. And this is something that's come about more so in the last decade. Um, and so there's probably only a handful, like I wouldn't say there's more than 20, there's maybe 20 or 10, 15, whatever. I can probably list them out if I took the time. Um, and they're accelerators or incubators, right? And so companies like Search Fund Accelerator or Spur or Next Gen Partners um, or GT Entrepreneurs, like a private investment firm leveraging basically years of Search Fund experience. And what they do is their goal is to provide day-to-day support to searchers without stepping on their toes and kind of helping them give guidance. So basically, from my understanding, all the accelerators have slightly different approaches and slightly different requirements. But, you know, the firm essentially kind of the accelerator provides a salary, benefits, training, tools, a peer group, guidance from, you know, ex-searchers or operators and kind of really handholds you through the process. And I, I bet they probably just take a larger amount of equity and um, you just have less amount of kind of stock up front. So that's pretty much the exchange that happens. So you pretty much will still be able to get 15 to 25 percent of the stock in the company that you acquire. But um, it's definitely a different model, you know. So, for example, there's um, different kind of styles. So for SFA or Search Fund Accelerator is one of those types of one. They have like on-site training and basically they have like cohorts, right? So they don't, it's not like anybody can get in. You still have to apply and they have to choose you. But um, each searcher kind of gets like they'll, they'll pick a handful of searchers every, I think it's like half year or so and help them throughout the process. And so there's a couple different ones. There's Broadtree Partners, um, you know, things of that nature. So that is kind of overall the different type of searchers. And, you know, there's a whole another business model called like independent sponsors, which I'm going to save for another episode because uh, independent sponsors are basically a model where, you know, in the search world, what you're trying to do is you're trying to go out, you're trying to buy a company, and you're trying to take it over as CEO and you're going to run it for a while, right? On the flip side, though, is you have situations where 
you're going to um, want to just own a minority stake in a company and not run it, right? You want management to stay. And so those are kind of more so what independent sponsors are. And so if that's more of an interest for you, then definitely, you know, make sure that you go that route. But it's really about whether you want to run the business or you want to kind of just be more on the investor side, you know, and that's what they call like the odyssey or the journey of the searcher, which is, you know, they start off, they're like an MBA grad. They're usually like not necessarily a traditional entrepreneur. And then they go out and they become almost like a fund manager or like an investor or a searcher. And they're doing like cold calling and going out and finding deal flow and trying to find businesses that are for sale and trying to find proprietary deal flow and managing an intern program. And so they're almost kind of like a mini private equity firm. And then all of a sudden, once they find their acquisition target, now they have to be deal makers. And then after the deal, they drop all of that and they close the fund or just leave it there for tax purposes. And they end up becoming CEOs or owner operators and running the business. So it's a very interesting journey, super intriguing and um, definitely something that I am love to talk about and love to be exposed to. And so in the next episode, I want to talk about, you know, the lifestyle of a searcher, um, how they should select peers and advisors and kind of just expound upon further like the search guide, right? Like this resource. And, you know, I'll link to this below, but I want to talk about industries, you know, internship programs, how to use them, what to do. um, And yeah, uh, tools for the search. So we'll get into that in the next episode. But hope you like this. As always, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me at Mubarak. That's M-U-B-A-R-A-K at Shah, S-H-A-H, business, C-P-A.com. Or you can text me at 516-417-4941. Hope to hear from you soon. Take care.